I'm developing a soft floater drinking this coffee. I want RJ Barrett to develop a nice soft floater down the stretch. to the Knicks Bait Podcast. We're here to catch you up on everything Knicks in a blunt's worth of time. We got three Knicks addicts. Dougie Fresh, how do you feel? Austin Rivers brought the bebop to the jazz. Brought the bebop to that ass. I love the energy. Uh, D-Boy. An operatic yurt for a win on Broadway. And it's me, you know, original Sad Knicks fan. Monty, look it up. You know how it is. Final score, Knicks 112, Jazz 100. Walt Suit left us with one important question. Orange. You glad you watched the Knicks tonight? We're gonna get into quick hits. Quick hits. Knicks win. It's time to give out our flowers. The Austin Rivers, who's your daddy, most valuable player, goes to Austin Rivers, who leads the Knicks comeback victory with 32 minutes of action, 23 points, and three threes in the final five minutes. The Tibbs row game play of the game came with 4.20 to go when Austin Rivers knocked down a big three over patient zero Rudy Gobert to take the lead. The Jay-Z Heart of the City trophy goes to Austin Rivers, who scored 14 points in a row to seal the game. And the Scottie Pippen Most Underpaid Scholarship Award goes to Austin Rivers, making the reigning Defensive Player of the Year look foolish at a measly 3.3 million a year. And the sad stat of the game, for the eighth consecutive game, Austin Rivers did not start. Fellas, it was a tough day to be an American, as it has been for the last four years. But as I watched the New York Knicks turn the tides on an 18-point deficit in the third quarter, I realized that I was proud. Proud to be a New Yorker. Proud to be rooting for a team that finally represented the fight and toughness that we all in New York have been representing all our lives. Win or lose on a night where everyone had every excuse to quit, to give up, to lose hope, these New York Knicks did not. Thank you, New York Knicks, for making this day suck a lot less. This day in sad Knicks history, January 6, 2003, Magic defeated the Knicks 103-100. This was Tracy McGrady, once a Nick, always a Nick, at his Hall of Fame finest with 28 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. The God, Latrell Sprewell, matched his 28 in 44 grueling minutes, but missed the tying jumper with 4.7 seconds left. 
clock at three. Rivers steps behind the arc, fires, and hits over Gobert. Every game, the last two or three games, he's come up with a big three ball. Astounding action by Rivers. So, fellas, in light of the Knicks' existential crisis that they're going through by winning games, we won this game off of the grit and toughness with our veterans down the stretch. It was Austin Rivers. It was Julius Randle. It was Reggie Bullock making the Knicks look good against a Utah Jazz team that has owned them for like the last four years. I'm starting to believe. I'm starting to believe that the culture is changing and that guys like Rivers making huge shots down the stretch, unafraid to put the ball up in the air with Rudy Gobert's giant infected hand in his face. Those are the guys that are starting to change things around for us. And it's okay for young guys like Barrett and Quickly sometimes to watch and learn. Get out of here. How can RJ Barrett not play in the fourth? How can Emmanuel Quickly after leading the Knicks to victory in the last game, not touch the court in the second half. What kind of message, what kind of culture is that where you win a game and the next day you're not trusted because you've been having a less good game? How are we developing our young players is the number one question that I believe in for the Knicks because we are not a winning franchise. Kevin Knox played 16 minutes. That's not enough for a third year player. I know I've shit all over him in the past, but if you want to see what that puzzle fills out to, you kind of have to give it more than 16 minutes. Are we going to look back in a year and regret this? Like we had many of years we've looked back and regretted wins. Won ourselves out of the Doncic draft. Well, this is the rub that makes it so complicated because this draft, we've already anointed them superstars in, in Suggs and Cunningham at the top of the draft. So this might be the most Nixie thing to do to finally figure it out with this generational draft around the corner. But there's a formula that's working and it's starting to be to look a little more sustainable than it was previously the formula you're talking about is literally playing hard and trying to play defense that is not anything new it is not creative and mitchell robinson randall and payton all played over 40 minutes tonight randall has played 40 plus minutes in three of his last five games what is that going to look like on game 40 how many Knicks are already hurt and how many guys have to go down for this culture thing to mean anything? Are we going to have a feel good story and then somehow be karmically rewarded? That's not happening when we have James Dolan as our owner, okay? We can be a feel good story all you want. We could play hard all you want. We're not going to be karmically rewarded with the owner that we have. We also get screwed by the refs constantly. You know why? Because we have a shit owner and the NBA has it out for the Knicks, okay? You sound like you're Nick, you're, you're K-Anon. You're like, you got a tinfoil hat on. You're a little bit crazy right now. Were you at the Capitol building today? This is a tough jazz team that was a puzzle that needed solving. In the first half, we went down by 18 points. Joe Ingles was shooting the lights out. Donovan Mitchell never got to get into his groove because of the defensive looks that Tibbs was throwing out there. So I truly believe that this is a formula for winning. If you have multiple young players that are already on your squad, not begging Mark Tatum to be 
nice to you and give you a nice pick out of out of a bunch of ping pong balls. Robinson had a lot of responsibility down the stretch guarding Gobert. So don't tell me that he's not giving key, the keys to the young guys. Specifically defensive rebounding, which is one of the weakest parts of his game, given the fact that he's seven feet tall. I agree actually about Mitchell Robinson. I think that the one positive that I've pointed to about the way Tibbs has run this team this year is that Mitchell Robinson is getting the burn that we've been waiting for for years. What is he doing for RJ Barrett besides giving him minutes and playing an offense that consistently gets him the wrong shots to get his game going? We see Alfred Payton run more pick and rolls than RJ Barrett, whose major skill is penetrating and distributing. Am I right? It's not his shooting. So why aren't you taking advantage of his best skills? This is not a rebuilding year anymore. This team is starting to show <laughs> Fine, laugh all you want, laugh all you want. But these this guy, these guys are beating superstars and they're beating playoff teams night in and night out. So it's unreasonable to expect Austin Rivers to MJ out, to Tracy McGrady out at the end of the fourth quarter. We've been getting bailed out and star players have been beaten out by career role players to, for most of these wins. And that isn't sustainable. And every time we're talking about a different guy who isn't actually a true part of this future. Austin Rivers is, to me, more part of this future than Julius Randle. We live in the fucking Dead Sea. Everything is taken with a grain of salt. Dude, the, if you go look at Stephen A. Smith and fucking Nick's Twitter right now, you and would think that we just won our third consecutive ring and we're going on our fourth. Like, it is crazy right now. We are eight games into the season. Everyone needs to calm the fuck down. Nick's Twitter right now is Lamar Odom at the Bunny Ranch in fucking Nevada, coked out of his mind, surrounded by three different women. He's already dropped three grand. That's how unrealistic and crazy Nick's Twitter is right now. Nick's Twitter is Theo Pinson. Whoa. Oh, yeah. This time for the Blunt Talk. Where we get blunt with you. Keep it 100. Why the fuck is the professional basketball team in Salt Lake City called the Jazz? Let me look it up. Oh, okay, they moved from New Orleans. Well, were they good and want to honor the brand? No. Save for a few good Pistol Pete years? They could only be marked by playing in multiple stadiums unfit for NBA basketball. There was literally a court too high up on the ground that they had to surround the court with nets. That's a real live thing that happened in the NBA in the 70s. Also trade away picks that ended up being Magic Johnson and Moses Malone. New Orleans, get it together. Yikes. Maybe Salt Lake City is a jazz hotbed, right? Mm -mm. Salt Lake City is known for Church of Latter-day Saints and skiing, two very jazz-like situations. So now that New Orleans franchise gave the Hornets name back to Charlotte, Utah, do the right thing and relinquish the jazz name. It needs to be in New Orleans. It has to be in New Orleans. Embrace your roots and become the fighting Mormons. Come on. Cream on off-white colors looks good on pasty white fans. Bro, Brigham Young is one of my favorite saxophone players of all time, so don't object. Brigham, Brigham Young had 15 wives and 56 children. We hope you all enjoyed your Knicks bait, and remember to walk the extra two blocks for the better whole day, though.